Go ahead and pull out your Bibles and something to take notes with this morning. You can open your Bibles up to Genesis chapter 12. It's going to take us a bit to get there this morning, but we will get there. Wow. I really like being at church. This is, this is awesome. Oh, man. Who had fun at Kingdom Conference last weekend? So good. Hearing a few testimonies so far of things that God is doing in you and through you and starting and all sorts of good stuff. I'm really happy about that. We've had some people, uh, they, they were praying for Kingdom Conference, and then once Kingdom Conference happened, they were like, why should we stop praying? And so they have just been praying every morning at 5.30 at different places. I think you have to like wait on God to know where to meet them or something like that. Uh, so if you, I think, I don't know if there's, y'all still doing that this weekend or this week, a whole week or TBD? Come talk to Crystal or Laurel, raise your hand, if you want to be a part of the prayer times happening. Lots of good stuff going on. Also, today is uh, Father Steve's birthday. So come on up, Dad. Come on up. Come on. Come on. All right, everybody. Happy birthday to you. Father Steve, happy birthday to you. Oh, I love it. Awesome. All right. We're going to jump into it this morning. I'm going to pray for us. Uh, we have this uh, kind of a family meeting style this morning. So if you're not part of our church, you are now. You can't leave forever, not come back. So. I'm going to pray for us, and uh, I've got a lot to share this morning. It's going to take a while, so just to give you a heads up, I've, I already told the worship team we're canceling response time today, so there's no song, so don't get stressed when we get close to the end of service. But then now having said that, I'll probably preach like in, on time for the first time in forever. So it is what it is. It'll be all right. All right, I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to get going. Lord Jesus, we're so thankful for you this morning, and we're so thankful to be here. Thank you for the opportunity to worship. Thank you for music and for songs and for the opportunity to gather together. Thank you for your word that we're opening this morning. I pray that our hearts and our minds and our lives would be open and hungry to receive the seed of the kingdom into us this morning. We're praying, Holy Spirit, that you would prepare our hearts. And, and I know that you've been preparing our hearts um, through this whole year and Kingdom Conference, and just as we woke up this morning, I know that you are bringing us here to lead us and teach us and shape us, and that's why we're here, Lord Jesus. We want to be shaped more into your image. We want to be trained and encouraged and rebuked and reproved and perfected that we might be a part of every good work that you prepared, prepared in advance for us to do. Lord, we thank you for every person in this room. Thank you that you know every one of us. None of us know everybody, but you do. None of us know all the things going on, but you do, and I thank you that we are here together, unified for no other reason but the, the body and the blood of Jesus, and we surrender our lives to you. We're here to meet with you together. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 
We are talking about our uh, annual seat at the table offering this morning. So this is our annual family meeting where we usually do this at the beginning of October, but this year we're doing it now at the beginning of November. We do a year-end offering every year called seat at the table. And before we take that, usually, like I said, October or today, we take some time to kind of just talk about where we're at as a family. We do a little bit of financial overview. And that's always hard, uh, not because I don't like talking about money, but because some of you don't care at all. And some of you care a ton, and so we're trying to meet somewhere in the middle there on what we do all together. Uh, So we do a little bit of an overview. We're going to do that this morning. And then what we do every year is this is an amazing time of looking forward and saying, God, what are you calling us to in this next year? There's been years where we've had specific things we're giving to, years that we haven't. But it's just a time to look back and be thankful. No matter what the year has looked like, God has been good. And it's good to take time as we come to the end of the year to say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for all you've provided for me and for us. And to look forward and say, Lord, I don't know what comes next, but I'm in. And I want to, I want to be filled with faith, looking forward and participate in whatever it is that you're doing next. So like I said, I've got a lot to do this, this morning, but you're going to stick with me, right? Awesome. So we call our year-end offering Seat at the Table because this is it's a family rhythm and a family activity for us. The year-end offering, it's not an obligation for you, um, or it's not just an opportunity for those of you who need to write something off to do some year-end giving. This is an invitation for everyone. This is an invitation for everyone who calls Antioch, their church family, to pull up their seat at the table and know that you have a seat at the table. You have a place in this family, and there is something for you to do. There is some way for you to contribute. It matters that you come to the table with your faith and to give yourself and even give financially into what God is calling us into next year together. Like I said, it's an act of looking back and being thankful for all God has done and an act of looking forward with faith, believing that he's not done. He's not done with me. He's not done with us. And we are in this together. And when we give, when we pray, we get to participate in what he's doing next. I am not going to teach on this, these next two things too much this morning, but I want, to, I want to hit on them. And if you want more teaching on them, I can refer you back to messages from the past. But as we talk about, talk about finances, it's, it's good to be reminded that we are a church that teaches and believes that the Bible teaches us that... that we uh, teaches the tithe. We believe that the Bible teaches us the tithe. What that means is that we teach and believe that the Bible teaches us that, number one, God is the provider of everything that we have. That I wouldn't have the strength to get it unless he gave me the strength to get it, and I wouldn't have gotten it unless he gave it to me. God is the provider of every good and perfect thing. He is the provider of all that we have. It, believes that, it means that we believe that the first 10% of the increases that we get in our life actually belongs to God. It belongs to God, and when we tithe, we're not really giving generously. We, ret- we are returning back to the Lord what belongs to Him. We believe the Bible teaches us that when we do that, we don't just give generously or, or fulfill an obligation. We actually get to pass the test. We get to pass the test that increase gives us in our life. Every time we get increase, it's a blessing and it's a test. And we pass the test when we tithe. We break the stronghold of the love of money off of our lives. We break the stronghold of trusting in ourselves and our own strength off of our lives. We keep the love of God first in our hearts and in our lives. And we actually come under the blessing of God. 
that's what we believe about the tithe. And then we believe that offerings is basically whatever you give outside of that. And that's great. Free will offerings are a great thing. Seat at the table is not an act of tithing. It's an act of offering. And I would encourage you this morning that if you are a part of this church, or really just if you're a Christian, maybe you go to some other church, I would, I would encourage you to tithe. It's like in your best interest to do it. And it's a great blessing in your life. And then offering is something like seat at the table. The things we offer to God freely out of what he's provided for us. And that's why we do seat at the table. That's why we do it at the end of the year, an act of celebration and an act of faith looking forward. Like I said, if you want more teaching on that, you've got some more questions about tithing and offering and all that sort of thing. We've talked about it a handful of times, but we don't have time for it this morning. So reach out and we'll, we'll point you to some stuff. Over the years, this offering um, has been such a rich rhythm for us as a church family. It has been so healthy for us in our personal lives, personal finances, our church finances, and, and just the DNA that for us as a people as we walk with Jesus. And it's been so significantly fruitful. We are all getting to walk in the fruit of people's generosity and their offerings in the past. Like we're walking in that stuff today. In our second year as a church, we were, we were less than 100 people at that time. But at the end of the year, people, that, that little church then, gave over $300,000 to build out the building that we're in right now. The seats you're sitting in, the walls that are here, the speakers, the kids' rooms, all of that. What was that four years ago? Something like that. So that's pretty cool that we get to be here. You know, some of you weren't even here around at that time. Over the years, uh, almost everything we've been able to do with facilities has been taken care of at Seat at the Table, which is a huge blessing. One year, because of what happened at Seat of the Table, we were able to give over $100,000 to people in our church throughout the year who had financial needs through our Acts 2 funds to help pay off debts and all sorts of great stuff like that. So this has been a fun, fun time for us to participate in what God's doing in our church through Seat of the Table. Like I said, we usually give kind of a financial update. So like I said, if you don't care, just bear with me. I'm going to just give you a little bit. And if you care a lot, Hopefully I give you a decent amount and you are free to reach out later and get whatever information you want. Um, so last year, though, if, if you were to go back and listen to this message from, well, I guess, 13 months ago, not 12 months ago, from 13 months ago, uh, you will remember if you were here, or if you were to go back and listen, you'll hear, we were in a really, really tough spot financially last year. I don't know if those of you who are here remember that. If you want the details, you can go back and listen to it. But the bottom line is that there was several very significant factors that contributed to us being really, really tight at this time last year. Uh, our staff was running operations pretty darn thin. I think last year, like in 20, well, 2021 was last year? Yeah. 2021, like our, our monthly worship budget over the average of the year was like $3.15 or something like that. So it was pretty tight. Um, and then when we got to Q4 of last year, this time last year, we were, we were pretty much going payroll to payroll. And uh, we were praying a lot. And uh, God was good. And we were able to make it. And that's awesome. And I'm thankful that God got us through that time and we were able to navigate that as a church. And this year, I'm really thankful to say that we are not in that spot anymore. <laughs> so, hey, praise the Lord. Because, you know, that's fun to look back on and be like, hey, remember that. But it's not fun when you're doing it, right? I mean, you've all, we've been there personally. Come on, you know, like, let those be the good old days, right? <laughs> 
This year, uh, I'm really thankful to say that, that things are really, really different. So over the last, thir- just in the last 13 months, so we've gone from being payroll to payroll. So basically like every two weeks, payroll to payroll, 12 months ago, 13 months ago. So this year, we've averaged a 9% monthly budget surplus, and we have just almost three months of cash in the bank. So that's really, and we still have zero debt to anybody. So it's like close enough to three months where I would say three months, but Jordan won't let me say three months. Because <laughs> it's not 90 days. It's like 87. <laughs> so, yes, sir. So I'm thankful for that. And I mean, shout out Jordan is a huge reason for that. Our staff has been amazingly faithful. You're a huge part of that, being faithful to the Lord with what he's given you. And I'm just so, so glad that we've been able to do all that we've been able to do and get so much healthier all along the way. On that journey, um, as far as our monthly expenses go and kind of what, how our budget works, I want to give you an update on that. We have, thankfully, even in the hard times and through the better times this year, we've been able to stick with our main priorities. So we break our monthly, we break our budget into three main categories. Those are people. So the first category that our budget goes to is people. So money that goes to people who are doing the work of the ministry on our staff and people that we support outside of Antioch India or outside of our staff. The second category is ministry budgets. So money for those people to use while they do what they do. And then facilities space that we use to facilitate some of the things that we do. Hopefully those make good sense to you. So that's kind of the three, the three big buckets for us. And the way that we are operating right now is that 72% of our monthly expenses go to people. 8% goes to ministry budgets. So 72% of our monthly budget and what you give and what we spend goes directly to people who are doing work of the ministry. 8% goes to trying to help them do that. And 20% of the overall budget goes to facilities. This reflects our philosophy that people are the highest value resource in the kingdom, and our aim is to invest in people as our number one financial priority. So that's how we do it. There can be other philosophies on that. That's ours. Go team. If you have any questions, we'd love to talk about it. So again, some of you want more financial info. I'm going to be moving on now. Hopefully, got some big rocks in place. Some of you are like, thankfully, let's get to the spiritual stuff, you know? Um, so if you want more information, oh, as always, feel free to reach out, and we can, we can talk to you about anything you want to talk about. So I want to transition now that we've done a little bit of vision for what is seat at the table, overview for where have we been and where are we financially right now. I want to transition to talking about what God is calling us to next as a church. God's been speaking to us as leadership, pastors and elders, mainly a lot over the last year about this. And as we are looking forward to our seat at the table offering, I don't just want to share something that God's calling us to next year. Like I said, in the past, there's been years where we've said, hey, we're we're going for X amount of dollars, and it's going to go to these three, four, five things. Like, we know this is what God's really put on our heart to do next year. There's been years where we've said there's no specific projects, but we're giving in faith for what God's calling us to next year. It's always kind of been a next year sort of a thing. But we believe that God is transitioning us in this moment as a church, not just from 2022 into 2023, 
but more of kind of the phase of where we're at in planting this church. I believe that God is wanting to clarify our vision, not just for next year, but for our next season of building this church together. So you've heard us, if you've been around and part of this church this year, you've heard us really since about February talking about how we believe that God gave us a promise at the beginning of the year that if we would give the beginning of the year to the secret place, to the place of prayer, or what we've been kind of calling the boiler room, if we would give ourselves the boiler room in the first part of the year, that in the fall, he was going to pour out his spirit in power and clarity individually and corporately. We've been praying for that all year. We've been believing for that all year, and it's happening. It's happening, and there's no other really much, there's not much else to say about that other than it's happening. It's like, what does that mean? It means exactly what that means. You know, many, many of you are personally experiencing the power of God in new ways in your own personal life. And there's, there's power that you're experiencing in the presence of God. And there's clarity that God is giving you as you are seeking God. So many of you are, are, are just in a unique time of feeling like, man, God's, God's wanting to stir something for the next season of my life. It's not just what do I do next week, but like, what are you doing kind of looking forward? So again, if, if you are sensing that stirring in you these days, that is God, and also you're not alone. It is unique to you, but it's not unique about you. Like, we're in this together. It's just really been fun as one of the pastors over the last eight months to hear from so many different people. So God's doing that right now, and, and some of that's really starting to come together for so many people. His Spirit is bringing that clarity, and, and people are experiencing that power. We're also beginning to see this corporately. We are, beginning, we are beginning to experience the power of God in, in new and deeper ways corporately. Um, just even in the last, I'd say, like three months. I know, I know since I've come back from sabbatical, the amount of you that are just like, gosh, God's here. <laughs> the presence of God is here. People are so hungry. It's just amazing. I, I love coming to this church. It's so fun. Um, so we're experiencing the power of God corporately. Um, and, and I believe that he's bringing clarity to us as well. And I want to share about that. I believe he's bringing clarity, not so much for a, about a project for 2023, but what's the next season of church look like? Yeah. So in order to look forward, like I said, we look forward in faith. We got to look back and be thankful. We need to look back and, and, and zoom out a little bit. So if you would come with me a little bit on this longer journey uh, to get to where we're going this morning. So we're going to go back all the way to when Heather and I moved here to start this church. So we, we're in Texas. We, I'm from down the street. Heather and I met in Texas. We moved, <laughs> we moved back here um, May of 2016, and we started this church in our living room in the house in Broad Ripple that we had moved to. And those first few months, we, we were meeting in our house with a small group of people. If you were part of the house, raise your hand. Look at all that. This is awesome. That was, that, was, that was most of the house group. Most of the house group back in those days. <clears throat> and in those first few months, as, as I was praying about starting the church and as things were getting started, something that God spoke to me really clearly was that I felt the Lord say to me, I want you to take 10 years to plant the church. I was like, okay. wasn't really the mindset that I was, I don't know, didn't know what that meant. It wasn't the mindset I was in, but it was so clear from the Lord. I want you to take 10 years to plant the church. 
The Lord was putting a mindset in me early on. That, that's the most important thing, is that there was a mindset. What he was trying to say and get into me is that no matter how big or small the church is or how big or small it gets, no matter how fast or slow you think things are happening, just be faithful. Think 10 years, not tomorrow. 10 years to plant the church. Plan on taking 10 years to plant what it is that I've called you here to plant. So September 11th this year was six years since our first public service as a church. So as far as the 10 years go, we're six years in. We are six years in that building process. We've been asking as leadership, okay, we're six years in. Before we talk about you know, what's next, where are we? What, what's happened so far six years in? What, what have we built in the first six years? Well, the first thing you do when you are going to build something is you lay the foundation, right? So the first thing you got to do is lay the foundation. So what are the foundations of the church that God has called us to plant? I'm going to give you five, we'll call them stones in the foundation of Antioch Indy. The first stone in the foundation is our vision. Preach the gospel of the kingdom and make others great. That's what God called us to. That's what we are here to do. We are here to proclaim the kingdom of God while being so secure in the grace of God for us that we are free to give our lives to see everyone else step into the greatness God has called them to. We want to live lives that proclaim the good news that Jesus is king, that his rule and reign is for our lives, and we can participate with him, that he meant it when he said, pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we want to be a people who do it like Jesus was trying to teach his disciples. They were arguing about which one of them is the greatest. And, and Jesus says, okay, hey, let's, let's think about a party here for a second. There's one who sits at the table and there's one who serves. Which one is the greatest? And I always expect Jesus to do the like spiritual judo switch. And he's like, you think the one at the table is greater, but the one who serves is greater. And you're like, yeah, of course. But that's not what he says. He doesn't switch anything. He says the one at the table is the greater person, duh, guys. And they're like, yeah, we thought so. I don't know. <laughs> Jesus says, the one at the table is the greater person, but I am here as one who serves. And he, he relates with the one who comes to serve. And then he goes on this interesting couple of verses monologue about, you know, in my kingdom, there are thrones and kingdoms and you will judge nations and all sorts of stuff. It's like, well, what does that look like? I don't know how all the details work out, but what I do know God is making clear is he's saying, if you had any idea who you are in my kingdom by grace, there would be nothing to fight over about who's the greatest. You, have, you are kings in my kingdom. And once you grasp that, you'll realize you never have anything to gain by somebody else serving you. What, what else, what's somebody going to give you? I've already given you my kingdom. What is it that you have to get from somebody else? And when you realize who you are by grace, you are free to give your life away, to say, you know what? I'm good. I want to see you be all that God's called you to be. That's who we are. That's our vision as a church. Second is our target audience. Who's the target audience of Antioch Indy? Jesus is the target audience. We talk about this a lot. We exist for Jesus 
first. We are here for Jesus first. All of this is first about reaching Jesus and loving Jesus and serving Jesus before it's about reaching people. Because if we reach people, but we don't reach Jesus, we haven't done anybody any good. The third stone we can talk about this morning is, who is our demographic? What is the demographic of Antioch Indy? The demographic of our church is, is passionate people who want more of God. These are things that all things that the Lord spoke to us early on as I was getting the church planning questions. Who's your target audience? I'm like, Lord, who, who are we? Who? Yeah. It's like, oh, I guess the Bible says Jesus is the target audience of the church. People are asking me, who, who's the demographic? Who are you going for? And this, this, this comment about us being a passionate people who want more of God, it's not so much a goal as it is sort of just an observation. It's sort of just kind of a statement of fact. This is just who God's called us to be. We are called to be a passionate people who want more of God. We're not here to, to go after specific personality types or gifting, economic status, or skin color ratios. We are passionate people who want more of God. We aren't really trying to become this. This is just who we are. We are a church for anyone, but we aren't a church for everyone. And no church is. And that's great. That's amazing, actually. That's brilliant of Jesus to make it that way. If you aren't passionate, you're probably not going to like it here very long. If you aren't hungry for more of God, you're probably not going to like it here for very long. We love other local churches and the things that God has called them to. We believe that Jesus is eternally phenomenal at building his church. And if this isn't your church family or somebody else's church family, that is okay. And there is another great church family for for you to be a part of and contribute to. As we all follow Jesus together, go team, praise God. We're all in this together. Let's praise Jesus. Fourth stone, when it comes to the foundations of Antioch Indy, are our values. Our values. What are our vehicles for living out the vision, reaching our target audience, and being our demographic? What does that actually look like? What do we do to actually do that? So we have our five core values. Personal devotion, making disciples, life group, corporate gatherings, and life on mission. I'm hoping that you're like, I've heard all this before. (laughs) These are our five values. We believe that these are the five hallmarks of a healthy Christian, that that, that a healthy Christian individual lives out these five things. We believe these are the hallmarks, the five hallmarks of a healthy Christian church, that a healthy church does these five things and helps People live out these five things. As with many things I'm mentioning this morning, if you want more on this, we have more on this. We just can't go into all of it this morning. Come talk to us at the Connect area. We've got our values course. We've got lots of sermons from the past on all of this, but we're going to have to let that lay there for this morning. Lastly, fifth, what is our culture? What's the culture of, what is the experience of us as we live our values and pursue our vision? We are aiming to be this culture, this sensory experience of us as, the, as, as Antioch Indy. We want to smell like faith. Faith is what unifies us and it's in the air as we gather together.
We taste like grace. The grace of God seasons our words and seasons our lives. We always see hope. In the highs and in the lows, God is good, God is present, and God is working. Our touch brings joy. When God touches you, his joy brings you strength. And honor is our sound. We're going to live our lives to honor God and honor each other, both in the open and behind closed doors. These are the foundations of, of who we are as a church and what we aim to be. These are the foundations that we aimed to lay in the first sort of building phase of planting our church. Last year, around Kingdom Conference time, so 12, 13 months ago, was, uh, if, you could, if you're really good at math, that was our fifth birthday, last September. And so around that time, as our fifth birthday was happening and as Kingdom Conference was happening that year, we, had, we, we were praying a lot and, and we, just, we were sensing affirmation from the Lord that, that the foundations had been laid. We didn't know kind of how long foundations take or if you ever graduate from foundations. Like, you kind of don't, but, you know, stick with me here. We were just sensing from the Lord, like, man, I think the foundations have been laid. And if you remember last year for Kingdom Conference, we had our other favorite Scotsman, Joe Ewan, was in town. And he is a, a prophet for the Antioch movement. And we had a great time with him. Everybody loved Joe, Papa Joe. He's amazing. So he and I were spending time together uh, various times throughout the week, and we didn't really talk about all this foundation stuff all that much, um, or, or really any, any of this. We talked about lots of other things. But before he left, I, I try to make it a practice of when, when people come in from out of town, especially awesome people like that, just, oh my, give me some feedback. What are you seeing? What are you hearing? What, what, tell me about us from the outside, you know? Um, especially when he's like a prophet of the Lord. So I, I asked him if he sensed anything God speaking for our church, and he looked at me as Joe Ewan does, and he just said in his Scottish accent, the foundations have been laid. That's what the Lord's saying, the foundations have been laid. I was like, oh, yes, sir, amen. Like, I'm not the smartest person here, but I'll take that. So encouraging. So in faith that the foundations have been laid, we as church leadership have been praying a lot the last 12 months, really since that time. We've been seeking God about, you know, what's the next phase then? What, what, what do we do next? What's the next building phase? We've got lots of ideas and all kinds of stuff, but we've got to hear from you. Like these five things that you put in us, they were by the grace of God that he clarified these things and, and helped us make these decisions. And, and I mean, even coming off this last week of Kingdom Conference, people in from the outside, they're like, wow, Andrew, great job choosing the ladies' foundation. I'm like, no, no, no. I was like 26 when we moved here and started this church and dumb. Like, I didn't know how to prioritize any of this stuff. God's just done it by his grace. He's been building us. He's been overriding me every step of the way and saying, like, don't do what you want to do. Do what I want to do. And I'm like, I don't know. 
So God's been so good, and he's laid the foundations, and I'm so thankful for that. And so there's a fear of God looking towards the next step and saying, like, okay, like, let's maybe, Andrew, let's not trust your ideas. Let's seek God, help, no matter how long it takes. And so we've been taking the last year praying, God, what, what's next? And we believe, again, that Jesus is building his church. We don't want to let go of that and be like, oh, Jesus laid the foundations, and the rest is up to us. No, Jesus is building his church. He's the general contractor. He's got the plan. He has the blueprints. We just do what we're told. That's what we're going for here. So we've been praying, Lord, what does it look like to transition from laying foundations into the next phase of building? Because if you've ever seen like a house or something get built, the foundation looks like one thing, and then, then they start doing something completely different, like framing. It looks totally different than laying concrete. But it's still building, and it's still important. So the Lord has put a building project in front of us for our next phase that I want to commission you into personally this morning and invite you to give into for our seat of the table offering. The next phase of planning our church is not to build a building, but to build the home. This is what the Lord is saying to us. Build the home. I want you to write that down. Grab something, grab an I kind of like it here card, even if you don't take it home. Build the home. Build the home. This is the next thing that God is stirring in us and charging us to as a church. Build the home. And just to be extra clear, there's no building. (laughs) There's no building project like a building building. I was just joking. (laughs) Just like we prioritized the first, for the first five years, the foundations and everything that we did. As we look to the next few years, we are committing to focusing on rejecting the discipleship of the flesh and the world and giving ourselves to building our homes God's way. He's commissioning you. He's commissioning me. He's commissioning us. Build the home. As a part of this church in this next season... I'm hoping that all these things have happened already, but we're, we're leaning into it more and exploring into this more in this next couple of years or whatever this looks like. So as part of this church, you're going to be built into. That's what you should expect as you're part of this church. You should expect not just to come and go, but that if you're going to be part of this church, you're going to be built. Men are going to be built to be men. Women are going to be built to be women. Husbands are going to be built to be husbands. Wives are going to be built to be wives. Parents are going to be built to be parents. And we're going to disciple children so that they grow and are built to be men and women of God. And we're going to build families so that they can live on mission and be a part of the things of God. We're building the home. And we're doing that so that as God builds your family and he builds this family... The nation of your neighborhood, the nation that we live in, and the nations of the earth will be blessed. The first Sunday we ever met as a church in my living room in Broad Ripple, there was about 25 of us in our living room, and I shared a message that morning about three promises that we were carrying as a church. And one of those promises I shared that morning was Genesis 12, 1 through 3, where I had you turn this morning. 
says this, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. I told our church that morning that the goal of that first summer in my house before we ever started public services was to use the summer to take strangers and create family so that when we invited people to church, we invited them home and not to an event. And that has been part of our DNA as a church ever since. Church is not an event we come to or invite people to. Church is the temple being built together for God to make his dwelling in and among his people. And church is where sinners are invited home to repent, be born again, be baptized into the body of Christ and commissioned as sons into the kingdom of God. The world that we live in is constantly discipling us in the opposite direction of Jesus in more areas than we realize. And coming out of sabbatical this year, God has been stirring me so deeply for the home, for the family, for men and women, parenting, family on mission, for all of these things. And I've been curious, Lord, what are you doing with all of this? And then last week when I picked up Jimmy from the airport, we hadn't even gotten out of the airport. And we were talking and he just said, first, I got to tell you, I've been praying for you guys. I've been praying for you. And what the Lord has been highlighting for you guys is family. It's family, family, family. There's an anointing on you for family. There's an anointing on you to raise up families. You bring it to the body of Christ. You bring it to the Antioch movement. God's calling you to family and not just good families, but family on mission. I don't know if you guys have tons of kids or not, but God's calling that family on you guys. And you're going to send them out. And he shared all of that with me in the car. And then that morning, the first thing he said when he got up and spoke is he reiterated that. And he, without me and him talking about it, shared Genesis 12, 1 through 3. He said, God's speaking Genesis 12, 1 through 3 for you guys. So I could go on for a long time. But the bottom line is this. As we look forward to the next phase of planning this church, and as we receive Jesus fulfilling his promise to pour out his spirit in us this fall in clarity and power, both individually and corporately. God could not be speaking to us more clearly that his instruction is simply this, build the home. And yes, that means the house of God and the family of God as a church, but don't miss that I am primarily talking about you, your family, your home. Health starts in the home. Sanity starts in the home. Society gets built out of the home. Discipleship starts in the home. The world is devaluing the home, and as a church, we will not overlook the home. If we want to disciple nations, we have to build our homes. So we are building the home, and I'm inviting you to jump in with all you've got as we follow the Lord together. So what exactly does that mean? My visionary people are like, let's go. Where's the worship team? And the practical people are like, so what are you saying? <clears throat> what exactly is that going to look like? I'm not totally sure. I wasn't sure what the foundations looked like and all that sort of stuff, and I'm not exactly sure, and I'm not dumb enough to pretend like I do. 
just smart enough to not do that. But I do know there's two things, there's two things that are going to get us started that I want to put on your radar this morning. Two things. First, I'm starting next year with a 12-week discipleship group for any of you men who want to join me. So we're going to meet here 6 to 7 a.m. January 4th through March 22nd on Wednesday mornings. Each week, you're going to read two chapters of a book I'm not telling you about yet because you'll come up with some excuse not to read it, or you'll try to read it now. I don't want either one of those things to happen. You're going to read two chapters in a book, and I'm going to give you four questions that you're going to write about every week. And then when we meet together, you'll spend that hour in a consistent group, with a small group with men. You'll talk about what you're learning, what your questions are, and what you need to respond to. And then you're going to pray over each other uh, together for whatever you need personally. Confess any sin you need to confess. It'd be built up in the Holy Spirit. As a result of participating in this discipleship group, you will grow in your understanding of the character of God and therefore know Him more. You will grow in relationship with other men as you learn and pray together. And you will be more ready to teach, build into, and disciple the things of God into the men, women, and children in your life. We'll do a sign-up for it sometime here soon, but I want to put it on your radar now, and I'd love for you to be there with me. And if you have a woman, she's allowed to ask you if you signed up for this once. Don't rely on her to make you get there. The second immediate step for us to take as a church, I want you to listen to me carefully. The second immediate step for us to take as a church is to more fully open up our arms and embrace our calling from God to disciple children. About 18% of the average U.S. church is under the age of 10. About 25% of the average Antioch U.S. church is under the age of 10. About 38% of our church is under the age of 10. And 63% of Christians give their lives to the Lord between the ages of 4 and 14. So we may not have lots of fancy new buildings or thousands of people or the best pastor or the biggest budget or a huge college ministry or dozens of salvations every week or many other awesome things, some of those we really would love to have or see happen someday, but we do have children. I don't know where the call of God on us leads, but I do know that he has called us to children. I may not be the best strategic leader there is, but I know we have children. I may not be the most prophetic person out there, but I know God is telling us to disciple our children. You may not think you can disciple children. You may not want to disciple children. But if you are at this church, and if you want to stay at this church, you're going to be expected to embrace our mandate from God to disciple children. If you've been here for any length of time, you've been asked to serve in kids. And what I want you to hear today is that I'm not just asking you to serve in kids. I'm commissioning all of us to joyfully and sacrificially embrace our mandate to disciple children. This might shock you to hear, but we need more space for kids, and we need more people serving in kids. And it's not because we don't have enough space or because nobody wants to serve in kids. It's because we have the grace of God on our lives and a mandate of God to disciple a disproportionate amount of children. Apparently, God is looking at you and looking at me, and he's saying, yeah, you guys. Yes, you guys. 
I'm blessing you with lots of children. I'm blessing you with lots of my babies because I want you to disciple them. You may not think that's a great idea. Abram didn't think his thing from God was a great idea either. But apparently God doesn't care about our ideas, about his ideas. We are moving forward on expanding kids' space. We have the money for it, praise the Lord. But we are just moving at the speed of government to get it done. We're hoping that it'll be open in January. Let's all pray. In order to make the space that we need to disciple the kids that we have right now, we need at least 30 of you who are not currently serving in kids to sign up by December 1st to start serving in January. And that's 30, assuming none of you who are currently serving stop serving. So we currently have about 112 kids that call Antioch home, and we average 87 kids on a Sunday. We have about 220 adults on an average Sunday, and 72 of those 220 are currently signed up to serve once a month in kids. In the last six months, we've had about 40 adults step off of serving in Antioch kids, And with the help of a few additions to the team in that time, our kids' team still hasn't missed a beat, and they've managed to continue to improve all that goes on back in A-Kids. Anna and Mindy are doing a great job. So the bottom line is this. We are not going to be able to disciple all the kids that God has brought to us and will bring to us with only a third of our adults serving in Antioch Kids. That might work for the average church. It's not going to work here. So right now, we have about 90 adults. Yes, we know your name. Right now, we have about 90 adults who are eligible to serve in kids who are not serving in kids. Some of those 90 are, some of you 90, some of those 90 are serving on other teams. Some aren't serving at all. So to the 72 of you who are already serving in kids, thank you. Way to go. And please don't stop. Lead us in the way God is calling us into. Those of you who have stepped off in the last handful of months. Some of you had to step off because of life season stuff and all kinds of things, and that's totally understandable. I'm just asking you and saying, I'm I'm asking that it would be time for you to reconsider that and come back on the team. Some of you have stepped off because of the challenging environment that you experienced in Antioch Kids. It's like that's a lot of kids back there or something. (laughs) So first of all, understandable. Second of all, thank you for your feedback. Uh, we've been learning a lot from all of, your, our, all, all of our disciple makers back there. We've learned a lot from you. We've been listening. And the A-Kids setup and operations and curriculum is better than it's ever been. And I would encourage you to go ask a current server about that. But don't ask Ron because he'll start crying and sell you on it so hard. You'll want to <laughs> serve in kids. <laughs> he came to me jaw open with his craft from a few weeks ago and was like... It was about repentance with his second and third grade boys. And he's just flipping through the pictures he drew that illustrated repentance. It's like, is this real? Some of you feel underqualified or like you just won't do a good job. And I totally understand that. But I want to encourage you that if you are part of this church, then you are under God's mandate to disciple kids. And there is grace for you to do a good job. Whether you have it in yourself or not, you have it because you're under the covering of this church. So for all of you, if you serve in Antioch Kids, not only will you disciple kids, but I promise you that you will be discipled. 
Not just because you're serving, though that's part of it, but I'm promising you that because it's just that good back there. And there is stuff happening back there. There is discipleship happening and teaching back there that you don't know you don't know until you go back there. The last encouragement I want to give you on this is this. It's working. It's working. Children are giving their lives to Jesus because they're in here for communion and baptisms and worship. A few weeks ago, a six-year-old went to meet his new neighbors and in his first hangout with the little boys, asked if they knew God and invited them to church the next day when he saw them. A kindergartner was at the beach with her family standing by the ocean as the waves were coming, looked at her mom and said, Mom, did you know that God gives you a whole new life when you come out of the water? You know, when you get baptized. God makes you a whole new person. And did you know that he is the one true God? There's no other gods but him. A three-year-old recently hit his brother. That's not the news. <laughs> a three-year-old recently hit his brother, and when his mom asked him after, you know, handling the situation a little bit, what do you think you need to do next? She's expecting him to say, I need to go apologize to my brother. He said, I need to turn back to Jesus because I made a wrong choice. And instead of him just going to apologize to his brother, they got, his mom and him got to pray together and come back to Jesus. Another three-year-old, again, this isn't the news, but has been struggling with obeying. So. <laughs> and when her dad asked her recently, the, the thing has been washing her hands after using the bathroom. It just, just can't, can't get that one locked in. So recently, uh, she came out of the bathroom when her dad asked her to go back and wash her hands. She started to fuss about it, but stopped herself, turned around, and her dad heard her say to herself, kind of under her breath, Turn back to Jesus. <laughs> a brother and sister recently, uh, a brother and sister recently started a new game at their house because of what's going on in Antioch Kids. One of them starts to make a decision, and the other one tells them if they need to turn back to Jesus or not. <laughs> kids are being discipled, and kids are discipling their parents. Praise God. My goal this morning is not to get more people to serve in Antioch kids. What I'm mainly doing is illustrating the point that God has given us a unique call as a church to disciple children. And I'm saying that this morning is a line in the sand moment for us as a church to understand that unique calling and to take our next steps in embracing that calling. This isn't a bummer. This isn't hard for us. This is a blessing. This is a mandate. And we're opening up our arms and hugging that mandate, hugging those kids with all that we have. So I want you to make sure you hear me say two things this morning. Number one, if you are an adult in this church, you need to joyfully serve in kids unless you hear God tell you not to serve in kids. That's going to be the mode of operation around here. It's not did God say serve in kids, did God say not to? Because that's what it's going to take. So I know that's not cool to say, and I'm like not trying to manipulate you at all. I'm just saying that there, and, and there are some of you who God will tell you not to serve in kids for any number of reasons, and that's great. But this, if, if this is the church that you're committed to, if this is the church that you're called to, then you're called to what we're called to. And the one, one of the things that we're obviously called to is discipling children. If you're a parent who puts your kids back in A-kids, you should serve. If you like kids, you should serve. If you were ever a kid, you should assume you need to serve. <laughs> Number two, we already do a really, really good job of this. But, number two, 
Let's live with our arms opened wide to children. Embrace them in our homes. Embrace them in our culture. Embrace them when they're loud in church. Embrace them when they make things difficult. Embrace them when they're happy, when they're sad, when they need direction or discipline and guidance and love. Our society continues to treat children more and more poorly. Not only do we need to reject that discipleship, we need to live in a more excellent way. When Jesus said, let the children come to me, he was leading all of us into deeper and richer sanctification and fellowship with him. 1 Corinthians 4.15 says this, For though you, have had, though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Church is not a place where kids come to have adults volunteer to babysit them. Church is where kids come to get many fathers and mothers in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So we need at least 30 people to jump on for January just to be able to stay where we're at. And as we grow, we can all assume, and frankly, we all should hope that things never change. I pray that by the grace of God, the little children keep coming and that we always need more mothers and fathers back in A-Kids. So will you be those mothers and fathers? Will you be those mothers and fathers? We're about to wrap it up. So after church today, you can go to antiochandy.com slash info and sign up. There's going to be a big QR code on the screen as we end here in just a second because I'm already going long. Good thing I canceled response time. And you can use this as we leave. But as we go forward to seat of the table this year, just like people were invited to give to build this building four years ago, I'm inviting you to give yourself and your offering to participate in building the home. We're still planning the church. You're part of the launch team. We're still building this church, and you're one of the builders. Some of you have had a really challenging year financially because of inflation or other factors. And I just encourage you, spend time praying about your finances. Meet with God. He wants to speak to you about giving and otherwise. It's just, he's good. And so if you're anxious, just go to him. So I pray this is a catalyst for you to meet with God in these next few weeks. And whoever you are, don't give nothing. Don't give nothing. For those who have had an abundant year, be generous and be full of faith for what's ahead. But let's together all look back with thanks. Let's all look forward with faith. Let's embrace what God is calling us to and give ourselves fully to it. We'll take up our offering on December 18th on Sunday. The way we do that is it's really fun. We all give together. So try not to give yet until December 18th. Bring cash and checks so we avoid all the internet fee stuff. And we all give together. It's a rich time as a family. We'll be talking more about that in these coming weeks. Build the home. Build the home. I'm going to pray for us. Lord, we thank you that you are with us and that we get to be with each other and with you. And we hear you this morning. And we receive this word to build the home. We receive this word to let the children come. We receive this invitation to be mothers and fathers. We receive this invitation to look back with thanks and look forward with faith. Come and lead us, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.